Hello and welcome to GP Works, the podcast for and about general practice with the Irish College of General Practitioners. I'm Aileen O'Mara and with me today is Dr Tony Foley, who's a GP and leader of the Dementia Educational Programme with the ICGP. Tony, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Aileen. So we're going to talk about today the Dementia QRG, or Quick Reference Guide, which you were very involved in producing. So why did you produce the QRG in Dementia? Dementia is increasingly important, uh, Aileen, for us as GPs. Um, We have uh, a young population at the moment, but our population is ageing more rapidly than any other country in Europe. So as our population ages, um, dementia is becoming more prevalent and dementia care is falling to us as GPs as chronic disease management moves more into the community. So I think it's important for us to have increased awareness and increased knowledge and skills around dementia care. Can you give me some figures in relation to what the prevalence of dementia is at the moment? Yeah, I mean, roughly we have about 55,000 people with dementia at the moment. Uh, Over the next 30 years, this is expected to triple to more than 160,000 people. And even though people think they know what dementia is a lot of the time, they yeah. don't know what dementia is because it covers a range, doesn't it? Yeah, dementia is an umbrella term for a whole host of different disorders, Alzheimer's disease, vascular dementia, Parkinsonian dementia. Uh, so it presents in many different ways. Uh, it may present with short-term memory loss, of course, which is what most people associate it with. But there are other ways, word-finding difficulties, behavioural changes. So dementia isn't one thing. One of the key things you say in the beginning of the uh, guide that you've produced, the 50-page guide, which we recommend people do read because it's very easy to read and there's a lot of information in it, uh, is the timely diagnosis of dementia in a patient. Tell me why that's so important. We u- First of all, we use the, the, the word timely as opposed to early because um, it is important that we are targeted and focused about when we make the diagnosis. We we don't advocate an, a universal screening for dementia because of the um, danger of making a false diagnosis, making a diagnosis too early when it may not be dementia. A timely diagnosis is when symptoms um, of dementia or maybe initially early or mild cognitive impairment, are such that it's affecting a person's life, their quality of life, their ability to engage socially, their uh, ability to work. Um, So it's important that it's timely, that it's definite, uh, and that we make it so that we can help the patient right from that time. Dr Foley, tell me, why is the timely diagnosis of dementia so important? The timely diagnosis of dementia is important so that we can avoid the crisis diagnosis, that we can avoid the crisis admission to hospital, inappropriate uh, admission to nursing home care. If we make the diagnosis in a timely way, we can put in place um, supports, services and supports for the patient, for the family, we can initiate medications that might be appropriate. Uh, so, so it's important that we're proactive about management, about things like enduring power of attorney, about addressing driving issues before it's too late. Mm. So really it is about planning then once you have 
the diagnosis then it is about putting all the, as you say the supports in place it is it, it is through it, the system yeah, yeah. It, it is it's it's about being definite that this is dementia calling it what it is um it's about clarity of the diagnosis and the evidence is if we're clear about the diagnosis if we formally make the diagnosis we're much more likely to proactively care for that patient and and initiate management strategies. So for the GP, this guide really does help them um, with that diagnosis, doesn't it? Well, it helps, I would hope, to flag the key issues. Mm -hmm. For instance, around talking about an enduring power of attorney, having a will, um, advanced care planning, advanced care directives about proactively looking at things like driving as well as the medication management and the medical side of things. Um, a large part of the management of dementia is social. Um, we need to think of caring for the family carer uh, who may be under enormous stress. Um, so I would hope that the guide would flag or highlight some of the key areas that we should be considering. Mm-hmm. Because you mentioned the carer as well, that that's really important part of the conversation too isn't it the person who's hugely going to important hugely yeah. important um the 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 stress uh, for the carer is very considerable we know that carer burnout leads to um the patient being admitted as well to nursing homes hospitals so if we can support the carer then they're better able to care for their loved one so the gp has a really essential crucial role at the early stages I think they do have a central role um, and it's important that we support GPs in this role. I think it's the it's a really important that the HSE um, supports the GPs because we can't do this alone. Um, really, you need the support of multidisciplinary teams, primary care teams, and of course, they're available in some areas and more fragmented in others um, because it's important that we can involve the public health nurse, uh, physio, occupational therapists have a central role, really, um, when it comes to um, minimising issues around the home. The occupational therapist needs to be involved right from an early stage. Dietitians, speech and language therapists, and psychologists sometimes. So we need to be able to rely on the other allied healthcare professionals. Okay. And that, like you say, that multidisciplinary team. Is that easy to access at the moment, do you think, or is that something that is a Un- challenge? Unfortunately, it's a challenge. Um, I, I think there are pockets where they're um, very uh, integrated with general practice, but there's very large areas in which they're not. So I think it's one of the key areas uh, that we need to... We, we, As I said, we can't do this alone as GPs, and I think patients will be disadvantaged if they're only relying on their GPs. And, of course, we need the help of our hospital-based Uh, colleagues. Um, Sometimes the diagnosis of dementia is clear and we as GPs can fully make and definitively make that diagnosis. Other times it's not as clear. Uh, So I think the involvement of uh, care of the elderly physicians, psychiatrists of the elderly, sometimes neurologists, um, where where appropriate we should be able to access imaging. Uh, So it's important that we have integrated care both within primary care and between the secondary care and primary care interface. Mm. Moving on then to the palliative care aspects of dementia. Yes. What are the key things then that this guide says to GPs about that? Yes, so 
Uh, about a third of all patients with dementia are living in nursing homes, and these are usually patients who have more advanced dementia. The primary uh, medical professional with whom they'll be in contact is the GP. And for us as GPs uh, attending nursing homes, there's a few areas we need to focus on. Um, pain management is one one major issue. We know most people with dementia in nursing homes will be in an older population. They have, maybe have other comorbidities, osteoarthritis, they may have COPD, diabetes, but equally their communication um, may be challenging. So we need to proactively manage pain. Um, another area is around prescribing, and we need to look at um, patients who are on multiple medications at end of life. So I think proactively prescribing and de-prescribing, in many instances we need to look at discontinuing medication because we know that the benefit now uh, is less than the risk. Um, and I think in order to manage pain, in order to de-prescribe or optimally um, manage our prescribing, we need to look at advanced care planning and advanced care directives. So I think sitting down with the patient, sitting down with family and thinking, well, what's important uh, in the coming months or years regarding um, medical care of this patient. So I think having an advanced care plan in place is really, really important. Mm -hmm. And is that something that the GPs will understand how to do or is that a relatively new thing, isn't it? An advanced care director. Well, it's like a living will, really, isn't it? Yeah. So an advanced care plan is the whole process. It's the talking about it um, and it's it's being clear on does this patient need to go to hospital or not? Um, um, what kind of medications are appropriate or want uh, are wished for by the patient or the family? But also the more formal part of advanced care planning is an advanced care directive. Uh, and this is this is there's now a legal framework behind advanced care directives because of the capacity bill. Now, this hasn't been fully implemented, but generally uh, we will respect um, the wishes of a patient in an advanced care directive uh, and we should do so. So it is important for GPs to be aware of advanced care directives. And there are some excellent resources out there, for instance, by the Irish Hospice Foundation, um, the Think Ahead document, uh, and lots of patients now come in with these documents and ask us to look at them and get our advice on them. So I think it is important that we have a, a good awareness of them. Mm -hmm. And as you say, there is now a legal framework to them as well. Now there is a legal yeah. framework, so yeah. we're going to be hearing much more about this. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that one third of um, people with dementia will die or will have their end of life care in nursing homes. That's right. Where are the other two thirds? So the other two thirds live at home. Some by themselves, others with family. But whether you're at home or in a nursing home, your primary medical um, advisor is your GP. So for the 55,000 people that are out there, whether they're in uh, nursing homes or in the community, it, it, it's us as GPs uh, who will be the main point of medical contact. Mm -hmm. So it is. this guide then is very timely for them, isn't it? Well, I would hope so, yes. Yeah. Now, there is a section, as you say, on driving as well. So, I mean, the GP is the, is the person, really, isn't it? That really yeah. Person. And driving is a very... Can be a difficult subject, can't it? It can be enormously sensitive, uh, very challenging. I mean, driving, um, sometimes patients or people, um, they rely on their driving for social contact, for getting to the shop and for meeting friends. And yet, of course, uh, there's, we have a duty of care to our patient, but also to wider society. So when patients come in to talk to us, it's really important that we look at 
their driving, that we talk to them about it, and frequently we will need to advise for an on-road assessment uh, of their medical fitness to drive. Mm -hmm. It must be hard to say to somebody you've got dementia as a GP, is it? I think it's I think it's incredibly um, challenging because you know that you're talking about something very very personal, sensitive. Um, unfortunately, there isn't a cure for dementia at the moment. So you're talking about uh, something that's very likely going to be progressive. And yet there's uncertainty because some forms of dementia, such as vascular dementia, are more um, static than Alzheimer's type, which will progress. So we know that GPs and the evidence is that GPs find it incredibly difficult to disclose that diagnosis, even more difficult than we find to disclose a diagnosis of a terminal um, metastatic illness from cancer. So because it's challenging, sometimes I think um, we skirt around the topic. And I think that's understandable. But we know as well um, from the evidence that's out there that people do wish to know the diagnosis. But I think we need to use very good and enhanced communication strategies in order to disclose that diagnosis in a really sensitive way. So to wrap up then, Dr Foley, the um, the guide itself is a very good resource and you're encouraging uh, GPs to, to read it. There's also a lot of other resources out there, including, we mentioned the Irish Hospice Foundation, but also I think the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland have a lot of information too, don't they? Yeah, so the ASI, the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland, have a wealth of um, documents for uh, patients, for carers and for healthcare professionals. Um, the Understand Together campaign from the HSE has, uh, has a website and there's a lot of resources on that. And for instance, there's a county by county uh, services and supports directory uh, on that website. Uh, the ICGP, the, uh, the college here, have a lot of other dementia resources as well. We have an e-learning programme um, in which there's um, a wealth of material, really, uh, right from presentation to diagnosis to post-diagnostic care, right through to palliative care. So, uh, And then there's another website called dementiapathways.ie, which is primarily based at primary healthcare professionals, and that's another good resource, I think. And if you didn't catch all those, listening to this, then go to the to the guide itself. All that information is there. It is. So, and the guide can be found on the ICGP website, icgp.ie. Even put in a search for Dementia QRG, it'll turn up. Thank you very much, Aileen. Thanks, Dr Foley, for joining us on the podcast today. GP Works, remember... If you like GP Works, do tell your colleagues about it. Uh, remember, there are lots more episodes. We're on iTunes, on Spotify and on SoundCloud. Subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss out. And thanks for listening.